Welcome to the Lead Her Ship podcast with your host, Meredith Franklin. Join me every week as I interview different women who share their stories of success through failure. We will be giving valuable tips on relationships, business, health, mindset, and more to help you lead the life you deserve. I'm so excited you're here. Let's jump in. Oh my gosh, you guys, I'm so excited because I'm sitting next to one of my best friends in the world, my friend Julie Duke, and we met about five and a half years ago, and she is an amazing mother and a mother of four. I met her when she only had two, and she is a former military wife, and she has impacted my life in so many ways, especially with just watching her parent and watching her in her marriage and doing things with grace and very real and honest. She has discipled me without discipling me just by watching her life. And so she's awesome because not only is she a wife and a mother, she's also a business owner of a network marketing team. And not only that, but she has a nonprofit that she's really excited about. And that's actually really why we're here today. She's going to share how she got into this and why she feels like freedom and breakthrough in your life is the best thing you can do for your business, the best thing you can do for your marriage, your parenting, just life in general, and how that's the key. That's the answer to everything. So she's really going to give you guys a lot of tangible tips, things that you can take away and apply to your life. And as as always, we're going to post her information so you can always contact her. But I'm excited for you guys to meet her. This is Julie, and she's going to share how this all got started. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. All right. So all of this started when I met my husband about 12 years ago. I fell head over heels. Actually, at first, I really didn't want anything to do with him. And then we just started talking, hanging out more, and I could not help but fall in love with him really fast. So in the middle of all of our dating, he was living a double life and I didn't know about it. We get married, we have a baby, we get, we get pregnant about two months after we got married. He's leaving on deployments, he's doing workups. And all the while I'm like, man, I made for so much more than this. There's gotta be something more to marriage than like just making it work. And you know, he had a drinking problem. And so we were fighting a lot about drinking. We were fighting a lot about how much time he was spending I guess selfishly would be the best way to say that versus how much he was being a present father. And about four years ago, he got out of the military and things have kind of skyrocketed since then. So I still felt this stuck feeling even after he got out of the military. It just felt like, man, our adventure hadn't started. And that didn't make any sense because we owned a home in San Diego. We had four kids we were living life and doing great. He had landed a contracting job where he worked three weeks on and then three weeks off and it was salary paid. And to the American dream, we had everything. And I remember sitting on the beach with him telling him, I just feel like we're circling this mountain and I don't know what it is. And he's like, I don't understand you one bit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then fast forward and he, I think about three years after he got out of the military, he confesses 
that he was addicted to pornography. And that was a huge blow to me because we were leading other people. We were talking to other people about living free. We were discipling other people, mentoring, pouring into other people. And so it, it didn't just affect us. It affected our kids and it affected all the people that we were leading. And I couldn't understand how that selfishness was still there in such secret. Like it was just that double life portion was still there. So it all came out in bits and pieces throughout our marriage, but he had cheated on me before we got married. He had a whole double life with his friends and drinking as we were married. And then all the pornography that it just still was happening. And I was like, whoa, okay, we need to go back to this counselor. We need to get to the root of the problem. And he was, he was like, I'll do whatever you say. Right. So we start talking through deep heart woundings and we can get into the process of what he went through. But I would say it was a really grueling process of him learning how to really be honest with himself about what was going on. And in that, I learned how to stand on what God had told me. I learned how to contend for my husband. I learned how to patiently surrender. And that was really hard for me as a wife. So about a year in, so maybe I think this is about two years after all of that has happened. Currently, everything is it's like we've gotten to start our adventure that we've always wanted. So marriage is amazing. Intimacy is amazing. Connection's amazing. Like we've just got on all levels of teamwork and physically, mentally, spiritually. It's just, it's how it was designed to be. And so about a year ago, he left his job completely for us to start up a business, start up a nonprofit, and to be able to impart this freedom on other people because we have such a passion about this being the epitome of what marriage is supposed to be. And there's so many marriages, there's so many women that feel stuck where they are and they just, they're like, I know that there's something more, but I don't know how to get there. Mm -hmm. And they fill it with all these tools of, hey, this will help. And for me, it just, that wasn't enough. That wasn't working. It maybe would work for a time, but it wasn't really working. And so when we really got to the root of the problem, there was no longer like this screen between us. We actually could connect and it has been so beautiful. So what is your nonprofit called and why did you choose that name? So our nonprofit is called Intervene Ministries. We're super excited about it. We chose that name because the Holy Spirit really intervened in our marriage and saved us from ourselves is what I like to say. And so we are really praying to for the Holy Spirit to really intervene in other people's marriages as well. I love it. And so like, what have you tried in the past? You know, both of you, what have you tried? What are some things maybe that you went to? A, I don't know. What have you tried? Yeah. And so what has he tried? We've gone to marriage conferences. We've gone to other counselors. We've done all kinds of things. But really, I think we've learned... All of that was, I think of a weed. I think of a weed and there's leaves on the weed and you can start picking at the leaves and it's a product of that seed that's in the ground, right? So if you think of a weed, you have to like reach all the way down to the base of it, wiggle it a little bit and then pull it out. You can't just take the leaves off and think, oh, it's better. So for me in my life, my biggest point of tension was connection with my husband and those were the leaves, right? So we're like picking at the leaves, like how do we connect better? How do we communicate better? How do we have teamwork better? And then we have kids and then we're like, how do we parent better? It just, it, we were just trying to like nip at all these leaves. And then when something big came out that was huge to us, 
then we were like, okay, we've gone through this process where we've chopped it at the base before, but this dumb root system is still there and this is not okay. Yeah. So then like, what did you find? How did you hear about what you guys are doing now? Yeah. So we worked with this ministry called Freedom Through Forgiveness. And we had heard other stories and met other couples that had gone through learning how to fully forgive from the heart. So first that comes from acknowledging the pain and the anger from before you were even married. So like I said, my product of the hard stuff in my life was it was coming out in my marriage and it could manifest or come out in a completely different way for you. But for me, it, with marriage and communication, those are all the tools that I looked at to like fix it. And it didn't fix it because we were, we were really trying to like cut it off at the base and it just kept growing, right? But it was literally a process of dying to self individually, learning how to surrender individually and go, hey, we have a template of how we see life and how we are sending and receiving information to each other. We have a template before we even got married. So our childhood experience gives us our template. It gives us our filter of how we experience things or see things or receive things. And so for a guy that had an absent father, there was a huge wound there that he was like, this is how life has always been. It wasn't a thing to him. But then when, as we go to freedom through forgiveness and, and there's a man with such a shepherd's heart, which I can get into more of that later, but with such a shepherd's heart to one-on-one -on -one sit down and enter our pain where we didn't even know we had any is so powerful. For us to realize, hey, I'm going to acknowledge this pain in my life and realize, nope, I'm going to disassociate and go, I'm not going to agree with what happened to me. I'm going to voice out the anger and say, this was not okay. I explain it all. And then from that place, choose to forgive from the heart. Because if you're just constantly pushing it away and going, oh, I'm not going to think about that, then that root system's still there. But as you're acknowledging pain and anger and hurt and you're voicing all of that out, that's where the process of actually like wiggling that root and like uprooting, pulling it out, that's where that process can start. So we went through this process of dying to self individually and forgiving people in our life that had given us our filter, given us our screen to send and receive love to each other. And it changed everything. So we went through our own things individually, and then we came back together and had a reconciliation day and explained, hey, this is why when you would say these certain things, I was actually feeling like you were saying this. And I know that's not what you were saying, but that's how it made me feel because of my template, because of my filter, right. how I grew up. Right. So that was our huge breakthrough that has changed literally everything and how we connect. So how I've kind of gotten it described to me too is like this blueprint. And we've talked before about this financial blueprint. Like you just only know what you know, what you know, like how you grew up. And so when you finally realize, Hey, this was wrong or whatever, and that's the filter that you see everything through. It's critical to go after it and attack that and change that mindset. But I like what you said about acknowledging the pain, because I think a lot of times, you know, we are told, well, men, I guess, are told like shove it down or kind of like get rid of the pain, just get rid of the pain. But then you don't actually deal with the hurt. Yeah. And that's really important. And I think that process too is 
if you're not dealing with the hurt, you're devaluing yourself for not acknowledging what's actually going on there. So at the core of it all, you have to get really honest. You could think some things of truth in your head, but you could operate out of a template from your heart, from what your experience was. And if those don't line up, it can create a ceiling in everyday life, in your marriage, in your parenting, in your business, in your leadership, all of that. It's going to create a barrier that you can't quite cross. And that's why, yeah, we just really believe in breakthrough. You've got to be able to go back to be able to go forward. And the big lie in culture right now is, hey, stuff it and move on. And yeah, we're excited to call that out or like don't look back you're not going that way mm -hmm. but it's really critical in order to advance in your business or in whatever it may be yeah to go look back handle it yeah and move forward so why don't we okay here's I kind of want an example really quick so you have a non-present father and things that you do the way that you're operating mm -hmm. could be out of rejection mm -hmm. possibly like your identity so let's just make up or say some identity things about your identity that you're believing that are lies because mm -hmm. of your past so mm -hmm. can you just give kind of an example of how that would look yeah so I can even give a personal example of what I was going through with self-strength the lie that I was believing was if anything's gonna happen I'm gonna get it done and in this culture, independence, especially an independent military wife, is highly valued. You are seen as someone that's so strong and independent and you can do it. Wow, I couldn't be you. It's seen as like they put you on this pedestal of being an independent military wife. And really, it's this huge lie <laughs> because the wife is having to overcompensate for the husband not being present. So even, I mean, we, I remember we had an argument one time where he was like, hey, you've got your ship and you're running it. And I come home and just kind of fall in line. And I'm thinking, well, what else am I supposed to do? I've got four little kids are going to eat me alive. I've got to have a system. Yeah. <laughs> So I was doing the best I could, but for me, it was the mindset. It was like the lie that I was believing that I got to just suck it up. I can't really be honest with the pain. I got to shove it down, suck it up and move on. And so I was steamrolling everyone around me. I could self-strength my way through everything, parenting, marriage, cleaning the house, meeting with people, getting it all done, getting kids here and there. You can self-strength your way through it, but man, you're like bulldozing people that you love the most. And so when I was going through that process with freedom, through forgiveness, or I was dying to self, I was reminded, I was thinking through like, when was the first time that I felt this way? When was the first time that I felt like I needed to just take it upon myself to make it work? And I remember a moment when I was maybe about 12 or 13, and I was being dramatic, and I was having a really hard time. And I remember just sitting at the kitchen table and I'm thinking, I'm not going to do this anymore. I remember the thought. I remember the moment that where I was sitting and I was like, you just got to suck it up. And so then it was like, yep, I'm going to like tap into that kind of strength, which again, culturally is seen as wisdom or it's seen as valuable. And I had been operating out of that lie ever since. So it really hurt my husband because I wasn't respecting him. And then I was overcompensating for his lack of leadership and he would say the same thing. And so I wasn't leading out of a place of surrender and healthy submission. I think there's an unhealthy submission out there too. I wasn't leading out of a place of any kind of healthy submission. 
And so I started overcompensating in all of it. And so it was really disrespecting him. But in my eyes, I was like, I got to suck it up. What do you mean? You're leaving me here. I got to make it work. So practically, I had the excuse. But then when I really got honest with where I was operating out of, I realized "Mm -mm, this is not the best life that I could live. This is not how I can love the ones around me in the best way. And so it was just a process of really getting honest with myself and owning my own side of my junk and then following all the steps after that. Yeah. So you mentioned that you like went back and said, okay, when was the first time? What was the first time that I believed this lie and why it's critical, like you were saying before, to try to ask, like, you know, you sit in the room and you say like, Holy Spirit, show me. Because a lot of times God's going to show you something that you had no idea or you completely like forgot that part of your life. And he's going to show you, Hey, this is the first time that you had this lie that Mm -hmm. was spoken over you or whatever you believed it because we have a childlike mind that is so, you know, when you're a small child, you are so like, I feel like connected to God and, but so vulnerable. And so tell me more about that. Like why it's so critical to figure out that, first little seed. Yeah. I mean, well, if you think of like what a seed can grow into, it can be massive. Little tiny seeds can grow into huge trees, right? So I am a huge advocate for getting to the root of the problem, like we had already talked about. But going back to, hey, why is my filter developed this way? It could be through anger or lies or unforgiveness, pain, any kind of traumatic pain. It could be a traumatic experience. If you kind of go back and go, okay, what did that experience teach me about myself? What did it teach me about life? And what did it teach me about God is very important because that's your filter. That's your screen that you're sending and receiving information from. And it's not just about, there's already a different screen for how you send and receive information from man to woman because we communicate completely different, but it's a screen of how you were raised And either the trauma that you experienced or the fear, the anger, the any kind of like unforgiveness where you took it on yourself and you let it take root. That's what's going to, I think of like the filters are just going to like get bigger and bigger or like that lie or that anger is just going to get bigger and bigger. So as you're trying to send and receive information, it's getting lost. Yeah. Really warped. So that's when in a marriage you go and find these tools to help you communicate or tools to help you get through certain things. And it can help for a while, but it doesn't actually deal with the issue that's going on. Right. It's just a little Band-Aid. And so you and I have talked about this before where this is like full on surgery. It is actually like assessing the wound, seeing if there is an infection, taking out the infection. Where did the infection start? Going back to the... It's just a full on surgery. And yeah, that's, we were going to kind of go over like why it's so different Mm -hmm. than just, well, but I'm going to a counselor. Mm -hmm. So I go to a counselor and I love it. And my husband and I have been to multiple and literally nothing's ever changed. Yeah. So it's, it starts from a a place of listening to their story. So the first thing I think I want to point out is it's a different process for everybody. It's not this, you can't systematize how someone was raised and what lies they could be operating out of. So we have a general way that we move forward with people and we always start with hearing their story from start to finish. 
and then asking them, what area do you need breakthrough in right now? Because we want to partner with what the Holy Spirit is already doing in their life. We don't need to point out all the flaws and everything that they need to go through because that's what life is for. (laughs) You're always going to be on a journey, always in process, always learning and growing. But we want to partner with what the Holy Spirit is doing in their life at that moment. And so we hear their story and we pick up on, yeah, like we had talked about lies or fears or anger that like doorways that the things could have taken root. And we, it takes like that shepherd's heart to really enter into somebody's pain. So if you think of a counselor or psychiatrist or something, they're going to enter into like a current situation or they're going to take you back to maybe one situation. And and then it's just, it's different. I'm not saying it's invaluable. I'm saying it's different. So the process for intervene is going through your whole wounding of your childhood and realizing where the doors were open to any kind of lies or anger that we just talked about that could take root. And then we kind of like work our way up and forgive throughout the way we renounce vows. Like we could make a vow about ourselves of like, well, I'm never going to be like my dad or something. And like you make that vow, then you're taking your eyes off who you're called to be. You're taking your eyes off of Jesus. And then you're putting it on your dad and saying, I'm never going to be like that. And then you start becoming that because your focus is there. You're so focused on never. Yeah. And really it's a root of like pain and bitterness. So if you go through the process of voicing out this hurt, this hurt, this was not okay. Like you're drawing a line in the sand to go, I'm not going to associate with that anymore. What you said about me wasn't okay. I'm not going to take identity out of that anymore. So you're drawing a line in the sand and then on the other side of it, you're not going through all of that hurt and pain and go back to there, like never have a relationship with your dad again. You're going there so that you can actually forgive him. You don't have to tell him all those things. You don't have to go and say, hey, you hurt me in all these ways, unless you really feel like the Holy Spirit is leading you to tell your story. But that even should be done from a place of humility, of owning your own side of things. Hey, I held on to bitterness for so long and I'm really sorry. That's how you actually approach someone. But, but you're going through the whole process to be able to like go back to that place of pain and really feel what you felt as a kid. There may not be any pain as an adult. You may like have disassociated so much with it to think, no, nothing's there. Nothing's there. But then when you when you think about how your heart felt in that moment as you were a child, like go back to that place and think through, oh yeah, I remember that hurting. I, I like cried myself to sleep for a couple nights when that happened. If you're, that's your heart speaking. So if you go back to your childlike heart and acknowledge what was hurtful then and voice it all out, drawing that line in the sand, there is so much freedom on the other side of it that you're getting rid of the roots And then the product of the root will disappear. So you can deal with the product all you want. The leaves. Yeah, the leaves. You can deal with the product of that that seed all you want. But if you don't uproot it from the beginning of how you were. How it started. Yeah, how it started and how how you're believing about yourself and and where your eyes are focused on, if you don't deal with that first, there's, there's no way to move forward. So can you kind of like identify, well, first I want to say, I walked through that personally 
when you and I were talking a few years ago, I was dealing with a lot of self-pain and stuff with family, and I wanted freedom so badly, so badly. And I, I was like, I need, I just need to ask for forgiveness from my in-laws. And I was so scared to do it, but God was like pressing on me, just like pick up the phone and call them and tell them all of the things that you've done to hurt them. Mm-hmm. Cause you don't have to tell the person you don't have to, it can be totally personal in alone. But I just felt really called to say, I'm so sorry for everything that I've said, everything that I've done, mm-hmm. blocking on Facebook, all the things. And just asking for forgiveness because I, I wronged them. And I, I'm not kidding. After that day, I felt so much freedom. I like our relationships totally changed and I, yeah, it was freedom from then then on. I like removed that Mm -hmm. root and I had to take ownership Mm -hmm. because I was operating out of anger. Mm -hmm. I was, every decision I made was out of anger. And a lot of times we can say, I'm so, I'm going to use that like whatever, let's just, I'm trying to give an example, but like you say that you don't believe in me. I'm going to use that. I'm going to show you, I'm going to show you like you're using it. You're operating out of a spirit of anger or control or manipulation or whatever because of rejection, because of fear, because of whatever. And you have have as fuel. Yeah. You're using, but it's like, that's not the right spirit to be operating out of. And so when you take that ownership Mm -hmm. of the way that you're responding I mean, that's where freedom lies. Yeah. So even as like healthy tips or um, for you to be able to do this right now is make a list. Ask the Holy Spirit, God, who do I need to forgive? You may already think of somebody right now, but make a list. Pick three to five people and then one at a time, sit in a dark room, lock the door and just voice out all of the pain. Now, this is, for me, I barricaded myself in the room because I have four kids. I turned off all the lights because I did not want to see the ugliness that was in my heart. I didn't want to hear it. I turned on music. I barricaded myself in this dark room, and I sat on the floor, and I just cried. And I couldn't believe everything that was in there, and I, I didn't want to acknowledge it. And that's why I started this this talk with like, you've got to really be honest with where you're at because I sat on the floor and I had to look at what I was carrying. I had to really look at like, yep. Okay. That's not right. I can't act like that. Or that wasn't right in childhood. So if you are writing a list of, um, let's say like mom, dad, and sister. So you've got your three people and you're like, okay, what do I do now? Well, voice it all out. So pick one person at a time and start from when you were a baby and ask the Holy Spirit, what was hurtful when I was a baby? And he's going to show you things. I know stories of lies that had attached to a guy where his mom couldn't carry him. He, he couldn't be held and carried because his mom had back pain. And so he had to voice it out and say, mom, I'm angry at you because you had back pain and you couldn't like love me and carry me and hold me and nurture me the way that you needed to. This is a grown man. How would he think in his brain that he needs some to forgive his mom for this? But if if he's actually like sitting down and he's like, all right, I'm going to get super honest and real. What do I need to forgive her for? And then if something comes to mind, don't just think like, I'm just making that up. Like write it down and then ask like, have I made that up or is that real? So you're voicing out everything. This was hurtful. This was hurtful. This was not okay. I did not like this. And let the feeling of when you were a child actually shine through. As you kind of write all that out or say all that out, 
I would suggest both. Then you go back through and you say, I forgive you for this. I forgive you for this. I forgive you for this. And each one you're forgiving verbally because there's power in our words. And then, then you're praying and like asking God to bless them. Like I forgive you. I release you from the prison cell. I've kept you in, in my heart. I bless you and release you and you're forgiving them completely. And you pray blessing over them of every way that you would want to be blessed yourself. And you do that for each individual person. And if there's more that comes up later, because I remember even from my own life, we were driving in the car one time and my husband was talking to me about being a little bit disrespectful <laughs> and he was being very kind and they just, I couldn't even drive. I was so mad. I was like, I know disrespectful wives. I am not a disrespectful wife. Mm -hmm. Do you know what you have put me through and how I've responded? And in that moment, I was like, oh, that's really ugly. That is so much pride for me to say, do you know who I am and what I've done? All like prideful, right? So I had to go kind of go through another level. So peeling back the layers of the onion, you don't have to go through it all at once, but you need to constantly be pursuing freedom and this journey that we're on of owning our own side of things. And so we get all the way home and I'm like, I have to apologize. I have to own my side of, oh, that was some pride, but you know where it stemmed from? there was still some unforgiveness left over that I hadn't voiced out about my husband. He had put us through all these leadership training courses and we had given so much time to be at these leadership events when I actually hadn't forgiven him for not being honest. I was blaming him for keeping me from my kids that I wanted to be a part of this leadership stuff and I wanted to disciple people and I wanted like we we were a part of all these classes but I was blaming him for for like wasting my time right so I had to go up and like voice out that was hurtful that you lied and I just said all the things and I'm like really honest with the pain that was in there and that's where that pride had latched onto so then I come back downstairs and I had to own my side and say, you're right. I'm sorry. I've been disrespectful in my tone. And then that all completely shifted everything. And we got to talk about it all. Yeah, that's so good. And I, I know when you're even going through the, the part of voicing out everything, and I think the hardest part can be like, then you have to forgive that person for the stuff. Now, in my experience, God has actually given me a picture of the person as a child because it matters. We could talk about this, like the difference between doing it with your heart or just like going through the motions. Mm -hmm. So like that is actually super important is to really actually forgive them for what has been done to you mm -hmm. and then bless them. And it, for me, I'm like, thank you, Lord, for making them a child and showing me their pain because it's so much easier for me to forgive them and bless them. So do you want to talk about like that? Like when people, you've probably had clients come in that are like, let's do this. Let's yeah, go. Right. Yeah. It's not like a, a, a script that you can just say with your head. I remember when my husband had confessed pornography to me, I felt like God said, I'm in this. And for the first time, my husband got on his knees in front of me and confessed everything. And I felt like God was telling me I'm in this. And, and he had never, I mean, he didn't even get down on one knee to propose. <laughs> <laughs> so I knew like, oh, this is definitely the Lord. And so instead of responding out of anger, I quietly just waited. 
but I heard all the lies that he was operating out of and he was telling me, man, I am. And so those I am statements, the identity statements of false identity, pay attention to those. So can you explain what that means? False identity? Yeah. So he was like telling me he was a horrible husband and I just, I can't even, honestly, it's, there's been so much freedom that it's kind of hard you to can make up like lies. what an identity. Yeah. Like what that means. So like yeah. A false identity. A false identity I think is like the lies that we had talked about of living out of fear or living like false identity was like, I lies you're believing. Yeah. All the lies that you're believing about yourself. Like I don't have a voice in the world or I don't have any kind of say or I'm not worthy of love. Yeah. Or, yeah. All of that. But um, it becomes your truth because you don't know anything different. That's so. right. Yeah. And so, I mean, when he was kind of going through that process and he was voicing out that false identity, it was a big deal because I realized, oh, this is like a heart issue that needs to be fixed. Yes, I could be angry about how this sin has affected my life, but really this is more about him right now. We'll get to my healing a little bit later. And so then I got to speak identity into him. And then, of course, that was just like making him boohoo because... I wasn't responding out of anger. I was responding out of the opposite spirit. That's a big, big deal. Bite your tongue and respond out of the opposite spirit. And it'll change the tone of the whole conversation. I like really need to learn that. (laughs) That's an area that I'm learning. Yeah. And I've loved being able to be a part of the relationship with you guys because you'll all like message you and say, how do I say this in a way that is kind? But you've really, you know, talked to me about respect and like how important respecting your spouse is because women typically want love, men want to be respected. Mm-hmm. And that for some reason, thanks to whatever, we have a struggle with that spiritually. But I was going to ask you, why don't you go into some of the stories of people who you have seen see major success? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, going from point A to point B and why, and then I really would like for you to explain some of the testimonies of people who have come and you think that it's got done and everything's done, but they, but some, you know, it didn't really work. So why don't you share? Yeah. Well, most of the time people will come and they think it's fully done, (laughs) but you can't take them any further than they're willing to go. And that's same with the Holy Spirit. He can't take you any further than you're willing to go because we have free will. And so he's loving you by not pushing himself or pushing anything on you. He's going to let you go through your process and he's going to give you free will. He's not going to force you into loving him back. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think of one couple that came to see us. And I mean, I guess I'll talk about bad news first and then good news. (laughs) Okay. Um, That's fine. So one couple that came to see us, And there was massive freedom. There was a huge shift for her heart. He was unfaithful. She was angry, of course. She had every right to be angry. And she had gotten a lot of freedom. And then a couple weeks later, I remember my husband went to their house because they were having a really hard time. He went to their house and she was furious. And he was trying to look her in the eye and say, so what you're saying is, do you want this? Like, is this the type of life that you want to live? Do you want this anger? Because you don't have to live like this. And she's like, I want every bit of it and more. And then went on for the next year to completely destroy her life, her kid's life and her marriage. And there's a redemptive story after that, but it just, it shows the picture of like, you have to completely draw the line in the sand and say, I'm not going to operate this way anymore. I'm not going to believe this anymore. I'm going to choose to forgive. 
I'm going to choose to believe the truth. I'm going to choose to believe who God has created me to be instead of kind of like pulling back and whatever that may be. It could be sulking. It could be hurt. It could be like choosing to just stay where you are. And that was really painful to watch, but she wasn't fully ready. And so I think that's a big thing for my husband and I, we work with people that are very ready to break through the walls that have been holding them back. They've been stuck and stuck and stuck. They've tried everything. It doesn't work. I'm ready to get to the root of the problem and get rid of all of this. Those are the redemptive stories. Amazing, beautiful stories where the husband typically, because we work with a lot of former military, so typically the wife is ready to just do whatever she can to be there, right? And the husband is the one that's like kind of holding on more to pain or maybe logically he's processing through some things and then it's not actually translating to his heart. But I can think one specific story where a man was raised in more of an abusive home, very verbally abusive, and he couldn't get past logically explaining things away in his head. But once he finally got down, like for him, his rock bottom of like, I can't do this anymore. My life has gotten so out of control. But to him, because he wasn't in control anymore, he was like, I can't control anything. He was like, I'm done. I don't want this anymore. I don't want to operate this way. And so he had to draw the line in the sand with this spirit of rage that he was operating out of because he would go into these anger fits and rage. And it was, it was mostly from a response out of his dad. And he just logically couldn't pair the two of like why he was angry in this certain situation. He couldn't associate that with pain that he gained or was affected by with his dad. But once he fully went there and just kind of in a way like melted, like he just fell all apart, like Lord, take it. He completely surrendered, gave all of it right out there in the middle of the room. And then the enemy doesn't have anything to hold on to anymore. Hmm. That anger and that rage has to go. It has to leave. It doesn't legally have a right to be there anymore. So I could get into all of that a lot more. Yeah. Well, I think it's really important. So like the, there's a legal right and that's considered like a foothold. So you've, you've allowed the enemy to be there. I mean, that's, it's all you've allowed it. And I think like one of the biggest things that's probably the hardest is to be vulnerable and to like, let I don't know why that is like so hard to be vulnerable, even with your spouse and be like, Hey, I am sorry. Like that is so hard. And I don't know why it's like, you don't want to be considered weak or ego or whatever is in the way there. But I would say like, that's probably, I mean, you probably see that more than anything is like people are saying they're willing and ready, but then there is like this. Well, we have a big screening process now too. And so when someone actually sits down in front of us, they are, like, tell me what to do. I'm like at my end. I don't, I can't operate this, this way anymore. And so we describe ourselves not as marriage counselors, but more as like deep heart ministry. So we go through the process of working with couples individually first, and then we'll go through that reconciliation. So a lot of couples will try to come to us for reconciliation and we just have to tell them, Hey, we're not that this, and we explain our hearts behind why. And if they're not ready for that, that's okay. We're here when they're ready. 
but for the people that want to sit in front of us and have like that deep, they're going to get super real and honest with like, you know what? I think I think this way, but in my heart, deep down, if I'm really honest, no, this is actually what I think about myself. And this is actually what's really going through my head. And this is what I'm operating out of. That's when huge freedom can happen because it's so exciting to see the honesty that comes out from people and what the Holy Spirit can do with that. Because if there's not like that raw honesty of like, you know what, then how do you go any further? Yeah. Yeah. And so, okay. You, we talked about how the identity, like the false identity is what you're operating out of and everything. So when you remove the root and the root is gone and you pulled it out, can you explain to the listener, like how, what am I walking in? Like, who am I then? And how do I hear that? And who's going to tell me that? And like, you know, how do we go forward? Yeah. So we call that follow-up care. And that's a portion of what we do with intervene ministries. And that can look a whole bunch of different ways. But really, it's, I mean, for us, we dig into scripture. We dig dig into scripture of like, well, who am I? What was I created to be? If I can't have self-strength to lead my house, then what do I have? How do I get anything done? (laughs) Right. That was a process I went through of like, well, I can't just sit here and be lazy. Yeah, who's going to do it? (laughs) So it's a process of like, okay, well, what do I operate out of then? And so, yeah, there's kind of like this uprooting phase and then there's a filling phase. And a lot of us will, you know, go through self-help stuff. We'll go to churches. We'll go to marriage conferences. And we try to fill all of that before it's been uprooted. And I remember sitting down on a reconciliation day and the man that was in front of us, that shepherd's heart, remember, he was like, there, now you can apply all this truth that has, you've tried to apply ahead of time. Now you can actually apply it. And it was a huge epiphany for me realizing, huh, all of that wasn't able to penetrate at all Hmm. because there was something in the way of it. And now it's been uprooted wow, it can like soak in. Mm. So it's amazing. It's so beautiful. But it's got to be something I would assume that you're continually like a seed, you're watering. So you've been filled with a new seed of truth. Mm -hmm. You're tending to it daily. So, I mean, this is something that I think is important. And I heard it in a sermon, actually. He was saying, this is not like a one and done prayer, good and go. It's a journey. And I know that may be a little discouraging. It's a journey. And so like, you know, you have even mentioned, and you can share, you thought you were completely done with certain things. And then like, you know, oh, here comes another thing that I didn't know I had to deal with it. But you have the tools in your tool belt to handle those things mm-hmm. on your own when they come up. So do you want to kind of explain that? Like how, I don't know. Yeah, I call it self-deliverance. So when someone is super ready and you can teach them the tools, kind of like what I just talked about with voicing out the anger, and that's just one of the tools. But as you teach them the tools and then they get to do it themselves. A lot of times I talk with people on Voxer, love Voxer, and I hear kind of what they're going through. And then, then you're just asking, okay, Holy Spirit, when was the first time I felt that way? And then you're going to have memories and thoughts that you go through. And yeah, the process of self-deliverance from there is so much easier because you've gotten the big root out. You've done it once or twice or however many times you've done it once before and you realize what kind of freedom is on the other side. And you, you're like, Oh, that was so worth it. I feel so much lighter. I feel like it's brighter. I feel like I can really see actually what's happening in front of me instead of just taking offense to what's, what's feeling like is coming at me. When you go through that process and it's a lot easier the second and the third time and the fourth time, because you're like, Oh, this is really ugly. 
I'm going to voice it out and I'm going to be honest with the ugly because I know what's on the other side and it's so much easier and so much more beautiful because it's, it's just a lot easier to get honest. Yeah. So really quickly, let's talk about, let's say the wife, I feel like the wife, maybe this is, maybe I'm wrong, but the wife is like, I want to do this. But the, the husband is like, absolutely not. I don't do counseling. I don't believe in that, whatever, or vice versa. So whatever. Have you taken one spouse and like, what has kind of happened there? Do you have a, yeah. If you kind of even think back to my own story, I went four years before my husband. Hmm. So this is how we even found this counselor was because of his double life. I wanted to learn how to fully forgive him. I wanted to learn how to not wake up in the morning and have to either choose um, the, I guess a good way to say it would be like, I can choose to be negative about the situation that I'm in, or I can choose to be positive. Right. And so I think for a long time I went through, yeah, trying to listen to worship music and just speak out the scripture. And it felt like there was like just bats around me telling me all these lies and I'd wake up every morning so sad and I'm like, go away, go away, go away, <laughs> go away. Yeah. But it's in me. It was like, you can make it go away for a time, but it, it's like it has an apartment in your heart because right. it has a foothold. So it'll come right back into that apartment because it's like, that's where I live. That's right. You've given me the legal right to have these keys. And so you're batting away at these lies. And I, I wanted to learn how to fully forgive because I didn't want to have to wake up every day and choose. I wanted it to be fully uprooted because I had heard about freedom. I had heard about heart healing and I wanted to like experience, okay, let's uproot those lies. And then I won't have to choose between truth or lies every day or positivity or negativity every day. And so when I went, um, just to be super honest, um, I made my husband go and he lied to his face the counselor, he lied to his face and he didn't go back for four years. And so that was a really long process of me contending and learning how to walk out my own surrender and healthy submission. And for me, learning my voice in the process, because I grew up um, in the South and I grew up a conservative Christian and um, you know, you're kind of, you speak when you're spoken to you lead children. You don't lead anyone else. And so Especially I, men. <laughs> I was up. Yeah. I was operating out of that lie and out of that hurt. Um, and, and I wouldn't voice out to him, Hey, this is what I really feel like God's saying, or yeah, I just, I wouldn't own my leadership. I mean, if you think of like a lion and a lioness, I wasn't, I wasn't, living out my calling as a lioness, mm. I was just muting all of it. I yeah. had to find my voice. And so over those four years, I'm so thankful that I had the privilege to be able to pray into his freedom and, and good grief that like, that takes a lot of patience and prayer. And, and, and that's not me. Oh, man. That's not who I am. Yeah. Like that's, that's the Holy spirit. I don't, I don't want you to think of me like, Oh, she's just some saint that can easily yeah. forgive. She's gone through all this stuff, but look at her now. Like we had drama in our life mm -hmm. when we were dating. And when we first got married, like I said, there was, there was alcohol, there was double life stuff. There was fighting. It was hard. It was really ugly, but in the middle of it, you do, you have this choice. You can choose to sit down in your circumstances or you can choose to surrender. And I know that culturally 
some people would say like, oh, you can choose to sit down or you can rise up, right? But that's not what a lioness is called to. We're called to be helpmates and support them, but that's not by being quiet. That's like that unhealthy submission that I was talking about. That's by voicing out what, like, what you're leading and how God's teaching you and how you can contend for the lion, right? I know you were really good at like speaking identity in him when he didn't see it or hear it or know it. And I can only imagine, honestly, truly how hard that was because in your pain, Mm -hmm. seeing him not step into who he really, you knew who he was created to be and the counselor had spoken stuff to you, Mm -hmm. you know, and so you knowing what he was made for, knowing who he's created for. And I know that there are some listeners on here truly who are like, just come save me. (laughs) Like wake up my husband. But we do have, you know, there's some stories, testimonies, like she just said, like her husband went and he didn't want to be there. So when they go and they're forced, if you are being forced, nothing is going to happen, which I'm going to be honest, like that's really sucky. Like, I just think that that's where you just need Jesus even more. And maybe that's the time that God's like, okay, let's just grow closer together. Like you and the wife. Well, just even kind of think of where I was at and I couldn't have I mean, I'm sure I could have learned it somehow, but in that process of those four years of literally dying to myself and contending for breakthrough of circling this mountain, I learned that I have a voice that I can lead. Yeah. I didn't, I, I don't know if I would have learned that elsewhere. Right. So the hard stuff that you're in, man, that's the best way to learn more about yourself And more about your leadership, your parenting, your respect, your all of it. I mean, you can use it to your advantage. God makes everything good and in his timing. So what the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, right? But he's going to make everything good. And so you can ask, how can, like, what good can I learn out of this? And and take your side, your responsibility of, of what you need to be honest about. Right. And in your particular story, God spoke to you years before, like, I can do more with you Mm -hmm. if you stay together, Mm -hmm. you know, and your story. And so, I mean, you didn't really realize what that was going to do, you know, and what you were going to go through. But that's why, you know, we say it all the time, like failure is your friend and you feel like you're failing, you know, probably and what you're doing or if things aren't working, but to stay the course. And my favorite right now is fail forward. Yeah. I mean, it's not going to look perfect, but you're going to grow and move forward. It's not going to look perfect when you fight or when you whatever, but if you're in it for the long haul, I love being honest and communicating, Hey, respectfully. Hey, next time when we go through that, you made me feel this way when you said next time, could we? And so you're like, you're casting vision for how it can go healthy in another way, but the next time. Yeah. But even like calling up your husband and speaking identity over him, that can be a delicate thing. And I remember right before my husband was really delivered from a lot of the lies and hurts and um, everything that he was going through. Remember that screen I was telling you about, he would get so offended. And I felt like I was walking on eggshells because he said, you know, I feel like you just want to fix me, that I'm broken and you just want to fix me. Because remember, it was four years of like contending for breakthrough. And I realized, you know what? And and God asked me, are you praying for his life to change so that yours will? And I was like, yep, I am. I'm so sorry. You're right. And I had to own that side and I had to go to my husband and repent. I had to say, 
I am so sorry. This isn't okay for me to act like this. But in the middle of all of that, I, he would go to sleep and I put my hand on his chest when he was sleeping and I would, I would pray and contend for him very quietly, but out loud so that I wasn't offending him. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't know he was sleeping. Oh no. He never knew. I mean, he does now of course, but (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh, I love that. So here's the thing. You may be, I don't know where you are in your walk right now, but if it's rock bottom, if you're like, help, I'm like lifeline, please someone save me. This is a really great opportunity to contact Julie and she will do that screening process and see if you guys are ready. We have actually a friend who went through this and then her husband saw such a transformation in her. He went too. So that is a possibility to go through it, obviously. And then your husband right away being like ready to do it. I have another friend who got a divorce and then she got transformation and now they're dating again. It's crazy. So like there's God is a God of restoration and he wants that. And we have to be believing for that. And we want to help you guys. So what are some steps right now that they can take? Let's just say that they're at their rock bottom. Mm -hmm. Like what can they do right now? Yeah. So we have a website called interveneministries.org. So you can go there for more information and kind of reach out to the emails that are on there and we can get in touch with you. There's a book that I really love called Freedom Through Forgiveness. Remember that was the ministry that we went to years ago. And that just shares a lot of testimonies and stories of breakthrough and what can actually happen. There's another book called Soul Surgeon. Both of them are on Amazon. They're really good story books to build faith of like, hey, if these people can go through it, I can go through it. So that could just be a great key for you. And that was like physical pain too. I remember reading Freedom Through Forgiveness. There was a lot of physical pain Mm -hmm. that he had no idea was actually tied to unforgiveness. Mm -hmm. So those are really great resources. Please reach out to Julie. She's amazing. And she has people who, couples who fly in Mm -hmm. for, you know, a weekend, week at a time and see them and then, you know, do that follow up with them too. So I have a few questions for you, Julie, before we get going, but thank you so much for everything that you shared with us. (laughs) Okay. So I know Julie and I know her kids and I kind of just want to ask this for fun. Oh boy. So what is like, I know you have way more than one, but I want you to try to think of one really embarrassing mom moment. I know it's so hard to just choose one. I have a lot. I mean, I'll, I'll give you my first one Okay. because yeah, it just kind of defines you as a mom. (laughs) (laughs) Oh gosh. No, it didn't define me as a mom, but I remember it was like a big smack in the face. So I have two kids and then there's a little bit of a gap and then two more kids, right? So my first two are little, we're at Chick-fil-A and my daughter is the oldest and she's very loud like me, <laughs> very excited. She wants to take care of everybody, you know, firstborn girl. And then I have, so I have a girl, then three boys. So then my son is in the Chick-fil-A playground and decides he's going to get naked and is up at the top. Well, then my daughter comes out from the playground, mom, he's naked. And in the entire restaurant, everybody starts laughing so hard because he's standing at the top of the playground, butt naked, like waving at everybody. Oh gosh. He's up in the playground. How do I get him? I don't know. This is so embarrassing. Oh my gosh. He was. (laughs) But that was one of the first ones. He was probably like 18 months, like swinging his shirt around. (laughs) Oh gosh. What a dad teach him. I love it. You guys, she has some really funny, like family things that have happened to them. So definitely follow her on some sort of social media. (laughs) Okay. So what do you feel like you're learning right now? 
I feel like I'm learning how to lead. Remember I went through that season of learning that I have a voice and now I, I'm learning how to lead. So actually, um, yeah, taking a listen at how I talk and how I come across, it does take bravery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it sounds really funny, but I didn't want to like come to terms with all of that. I think I have it in my head and I have it in my heart, but learning how to express it is a whole nother level. Hmm. And I love doing that one-on-one. That's really fun. I love doing that counseling sessions, one-on-one marriages, one-on-one. Oh, I love it. It's amazing. We had a couple fly out for a whole week. We did this week long intensive with them and it it just went by like a blink of an eye. Mm. I loved digging, digging into their story and being one-on-one, but up leveling my leadership and being more professional and being able to communicate what's in here and what's in here in a way that heart and head. Yeah. Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Being able to, to match those up and then communicate it in a way that is meeting people where they're at is just new. It's brand new to me. So anyway, that's what I've been learning is how to like have the right verbiage and how to have the right posture and excitement and yeah. Yeah. There's a flow to it, but it's funny because I tell her, I get so confused because I'm like, you are so like, you're an influencer. You're such a leader. Like I knew it from the day that I met her and through truly just her actions. So I guess like if someone's here for a week and they don't know you, it may be a little different where you kind of have to, but truly I'm like, shaking her like you are so incredible as a leader you've got to see it yourself yeah. so Meredith has been amazing to me for calling me up and yeah just calling out that identity in me she has a huge gift for that oh thank you well it's really true and so I'm like confused why people don't <laughs> see that but um you got to match up what you think in here and what you actually believe and operate out of it. yeah yeah it's true um okay so I want to know what you what does leadership like the podcast name, what does leadership mean to you? I think the first place the enemy is going to attack is families. If you think of that was the first way he was, yeah, just bringing gospel to the world was through family, through marriage. And if that's not foundationally, like that's your ship. Mm -hmm. You lead that really well. And everything else is a product of, that flows out of your relationship with Jesus, your relationship with your husband, how you parent. And even like Meredith had said, like I could see it through her actions. Well, that's, I don't want to like, it's not out of a place of like prideful bragging, but that's where your ship starts is your marriage and your parenting and your home life. To me, that's leading her ship. Well, and so we're going to, I'm going to interview our good friend, both of our friends, Hannah soon. And she was saying that you could have a great business team. You could have all the systems in your business, but 95% of her clients, you know, have an issue, like they're struggling with identity and self-worth. And if you struggle with that, doesn't matter. She's like every time burnout, every time failure, every time, like, it, you cannot, you cannot actually thrive at all. And so it does start with like, an, as like, you know, someone who's controlling, you know, if you are a, you operating out of a controlling spirit, you are trying to control every aspect of your life. But if you do not have the one thing, John Maxwell talks about all the time, like that one thing where you were focused on your marriage first, family will fall in line, business will fall in line, then you can have a very successful, that's why this is so critical, is that success is going to follow yeah. if all of this stuff 
lines up. So I liked that answer. That's really good. Okay, a few more questions really quickly. So what are you reading right now? The John Maxwell Power of Five. Still really reading that. Yeah. I'm going back to Shepherding a Child's Heart. Oh, okay. I did that one when my oldest daughter was really little, but I'm going back to that now because we have a two and a three-year-old in the house. And so that's hard. Yes. <laughs> so those are the two that I, that I'm reading right now. And then I also listen to like podcasts and audiobooks too. Yeah. Good. I love it. Mm-hmm. So, okay. What is something that you've done that you felt really judged for doing? And I know that there's probably quite a few. No, good grief. <laughs> I what can I say network marketing? Absolutely. I have felt so judged with choosing to be a part of network marketing yeah. because of the stigma and the American culture. But I mean, for me, my heart is to love people as well as I can, to meet them where they're at, to partner with what the Holy Spirit is doing in their life. And if that means it's meeting them through nutrition physically, or if that's through meeting with them like one-on-one and being able to dive into like mentally and spiritually, if that their health that way, I'm all about health. I'm about, I don't really love the word holistic health, but there's no other way to say it because mm-hmm. I feel like it's just... It doesn't encompass really what I feel, but it does explain if our finances aren't healthy, how are we going to impact and be who God created us to be? Money had me on like around the neck. There was more month than money. And so if money's like trapping you in and and you're not, yeah, you're not operating the way that you were called to operate. I think there's a huge, just holistic health in general with mentally, physically, spiritually, financially, all of that. If one area is not healthy, mm-hmm. you're not going to thrive, like right. you said. Right. And it's, it's funny. It's just, it's just a mindset about network marketing and it's unfortunate, but it is definitely something that's a true actual profession. So the book that she mentioned, The Power of Five, is a really great book by John Maxwell that explains why he loves the network marketing profession, Mm -hmm. the business model. It's beautiful. And when done in the right way with the right people. And so she and I are both partnered on the same team and business and it's just been such a blessing. So absolutely been judged in that area too. What is one thing that many people don't know about you? I don't know. I'm such an open book. I feel like everybody knows everything about me, but I was a swimmer. So my husband on our first date, we sat down and Um, hit it off. We were literally looking for the hidden camera because we had so much in common. Crazy. So I was a swimmer. He was a swimmer. I broke records in high school. So did he. He had a turtle named Sparky. So did I. Oh, that's weird. I had a cat named Callie. So did he for like 10, 15 years each. He has an uncle Richard. So do I. Like the list continued. And we were like, this something's like wrong. Are you related? No. (laughs) It was super weird. Yeah. But yeah, most people don't know that was like what was like breaking the ice at first for me. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, we want to have 10 kids. Or you were going to say that you would just like love to just travel everywhere. Oh, I love traveling. Yes. So what, where's next on your bucket list? Like your bucket list that you want to go with? What is that place? I have so many. Pick one. I've always wanted to go to Australia and New Zealand. Okay, let's so. go. New Zealand is on the list. And Bali is on my list for sure. I, I just don't want to fly all the way over there and go to one place. Yeah. You've got to bounce around. Yeah. <laughs> bounce around. And that's fine. And it's cheaper flights. Like if you keep mm-hmm. bouncing. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. You guys, I hope that you found so much value in this and please do not be shy. Let us know what you love, what you learned, what you want to know more or hear more from Julie. Like she said, she's an open book and we just really want to serve you at the highest level that we can. And so 
you guys can actually post a review in iTunes and just give Julie all the love and share with us what you want more of. So I'll talk to you guys later. Bye. Bye. If you enjoyed this podcast, let us know. I love hearing from you guys. Tag me on Instagram and make sure you subscribe and leave me a review and tell us what you loved most about this podcast. Don't forget to send this episode to someone in your life who you know needs to hear this message. I love adding value to all of you. So thank you so much for listening and sharing. It means the world to me.